conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. It's 13 minutes after 5 o'clock and next we're in conversation with the Minister of Higher Education, Science and Innovation, Dr. Bladen Zamande. He's sitting right next to me as uh, the build-up towards, uh, rather, as we are focusing on the um, inaugural Transforming Mentality Summit that is underway at the Birchwood Hotel in Boxburg. How can we solve gender-based violence in South Africa? Today's gathering being hosted by Higher Health in collaboration with the Human Sciences Research Council on behalf of the Higher Education, Science and Innovation Department. The Minister now joining me here. Minister, good evening. Thank you so much for making time for us. Any takeaways uh, for you from the summit? Yes, good afternoon, Aldrian, and thanks for the opportunity and greetings to your, to your listeners. Yes, <clears throat> there are a number of takeaways. First of all, as you say, it's the first time that we gather like this on such a matter to say how do we mobilize the men in our 2.5 million sector, and potentially even more, uh, to actually join this big struggle for gender equality and women's emancipation in society, including the fight against gender-based violence. The fact that we've actually gathered and launched this is in itself a very important first step in this. But we the also adopted... Is, the outcome is huge as well, I have to say, looking at the number of people that came to the summit. Yes, we're, we're just over 1,500 yeah, people huge. drawn from all components of the post-school education and training sector. That in itself, you are right, is very important that we could be able to interest such a number of people, both men and women, although, of course, our primary target is the mobilization of men. We also adopted a declaration. Okay, some people say a declaration is a piece of paper. But a declaration is important because it commits us on a few things that we've got to do. We committed on five things. One, all as men in the sector, we're going to challenge harmful gender norms and attitudes. Number two, we're going to embrace responsible and active fatherhood uh, and caregiving. Thirdly, we will ensure that all we do in relationships must be based on consent, mm. which is very important. No one, no man is going to want to impose himself on a woman. Everything must be based on consent because that is also a very important value and principle. And fourthly, we're going to promote inclusive education. That is very important because we, we're also going to be committing to, to, to ensure that all in our sector are exposed to education that focuses on gender equality and women's emancipation. And then we commit to collaborate. What we are doing, we are not launching this as some kind of parallel and distant thing from other initiatives to mobilize men. Mm -hmm. There have been other initiatives to mobilize men. We will interact with those because they are very important. Of course, what is distinct about this is that we are focusing on our sector. And this is a very important sector, by the way, because it's a sector that's training future leaders. Yes. The people who come out of our universities and colleges, they go out, they become leaders, you know, they go to various workplaces. If they become champions and really embrace this idea that true men do not fear gender equality and women's emancipation, instead they promote that, then we stand a good chance they'll go to their communities, to their workplaces, to their institutions, and continue 
to take forward this particular yeah. campaign. That's, that's, that's for us also is another big plus. Well, well, something that you raise now, which I haven't seen from other um, programs that, that try to approach this issue around gender-based violence, the issue around responsible fatherhood. Yes. Why? Yes, it's very important because we have identified this as one of the single biggest challenges that we face. For example, statistics tells us that 45% of boys in South Africa grow up in women-headed households. Well, we know women play a role even fathers are there, but when fathers are absent, it's worse. I grew up in a women-headed household from age 12 for the rest of my life. I'm what I am because of my mother. Now, the issue of absent fathers and fathers who do not take responsibilities is a huge contributory factor because other thing is that boys grow up without role models because fathers for boys tend to become role models and so on and if they are not there that's a crisis we do have a crisis of fathering and, and parenting by fathers in South Africa that is why we are placing this issue yep. at the center if you talk to an average I can tell you if you just come across two or three men one or two of them grew up without a father. So it is a real challenge and it's something that we need to foster. Of course, in order to do that, we have to look at wider society. There are challenges of the economy. You know, there are challenges of unemployment and all those things, some of whom have an impact yeah. on families and, and the role of fathers. Does that question of, of responsible fatherhood also look into um, irresponsible sexual behavior that... And then at the end of the day, is not able to be present for all of those children. And then you find a situation that goes to the point that you raise now, this perpetual cycle of poverty. Yes, definitely. That's why we are talking of fatherhood as well as caregiving. Yeah. Because it's very important, Aldrian, what you are saying, this point that we are raising now. Because... Men, in particular, must understand the consequences of having sexual relations. We are likely to give... The kids are likely to come out of that. And we can't just be doing this anyhow when then you are unable to take responsibility for those children. In a way, what we are doing here is something that should be replicated in the whole of society. We need to go back to talk about basics. Family planning, you know, it's very important the issue of uh, safe sex, the issue of preventing teenage and other forms of unwanted pregnancies. Yeah. All those things are going to be important and we are going to be in the inclusive education, be incorporating those matters into this. That is why we are raising this particular issue because then we will have to raise awareness, we will have to promote Dialogues and conversations. In fact, our sector is the best place when it comes to engagement and debates and discussions. Very robust. Very robust, you know. Yeah. That is why we are saying it's a sector, actually, if we are able to succeed with this, can really play a very catalytic role mm -hmm. in dealing with these problems in the rest of society. Does, does the inclusive education also look into, well, um, we, we have um, legislation in the country that promotes access to the education, right? Yes. That, that promotes access to the, to, to the education space. But once you are inside that space, all of a sudden now you are dealing with the misogyny. And whether it is um, a student, 
whether it is a professor, whether it is a cleaner, in that space also then dealing with gender-based violence? Yes, if you think about it, our university campuses and colleges are communities in the true sense of the word. Alice campus of 40 is 14,000 students. That's a massive community. And these institutions are part of wider society, so they are likely to actually face these problems. We are not unaware of that. But we can't say, well, the, the problem of rape is a societal problem. Therefore, we'll sit back and look at those who are focusing society. We must deal with it within our own sector so that we are able then to produce people who are going to contribute in dealing with the problem in wider society. It is a wider societal problem that yeah. we are dealing with, but oh. we have to make our own contribution. Yeah. I was speaking to the CEO of Higher Health a bit earlier on and was raising the point around the case of Professor Coupe, and he does point out that, listen, there's an internal investigation that, that, it, that is currently underway, but are there any lessons that are being learned from this incident? The one involving Professor yeah. Cooper, the University of, Prato oh. of Pretoria, and and and, and uh, the, the 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 VC, former VC, I guess, of Vitz. Well, look, the lesson we must learn is that at least University of Pretoria took action. You know, to say you didn't declare that you were involved in such a thing in your previous institutions. That's very important because also what we are committing ourselves here is that where there is wrongdoing. Definitely, you know, we must take decisive action. But it underlines the whole point, you know. If you are in a position of authority, you can't use that position of authority to start demanding sexual favors. We do have that problem in the sector. Lecturers, male lecturers and professors who demand sex for students so that the students pass, they actually get marks. If we are mobilized like this, those things are likely to be exposed and then we will be able to deal with them. If we are not organized and mobilized, including organizing and mobilizing men, we are not going to be able to deal with this particular problem. You know, we must learn, I was saying, hey, Aldrin, I know you are younger, we must learn from our 1980s experience, yep. you know, in the UDF days. We had street committees, we had block committees, you know. In some of those areas where we were best organized, there was no crime whatsoever. If your radio was stolen, in less than 24 hours, we would go and fetch it and know exactly who took it, and then we're actually back. This requires that kind of collective organization. For instance, in campuses, you should be having block committees on safety and security. That if it's a block A of residences, there must be a committee yep. there that looks at all things relating to safe safety in the institution, including instances of gender-based violence. In our days of street committees, we would even know that Soren Soluamnumzane is actually abusing the wife and would be approached, you know, and say, you can't be doing this, you are actually a shame to our community, and so on. So the issue of collective organization, of course, working together with government is something that is very important. We hope this will catalyze that amongst other things. Is there a report that is going to come out of this? Yes, there will be a report that, you, that is going to come How out How soon can this. we expect that? Well, I don't know. You should have asked the <laughs> higher health because uh, they are working together with the DGs. You know, The sooner it comes out, the better because we would like to circulate it and make it public, actually. And have the dialogue going on. Thank you so much, exactly. Minister. Yeah. That's the Minister of Higher Education, Science and Innovation, Dr. Bladen Zamande.